I just want to start out by, uh, by reading uh, a passage from Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 10 to 20, where the Apostle Paul is just telling a, a testimony. He's giving his story of God's faithfulness and providence. He says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. And even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphrodites the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So this morning, um, we're, we're setting some time aside, and uh, we're going to just uh, take a look at where we are as a church at the starting um, months of uh, 2023, uh, celebrate uh, all that God has done up to this point. And so part of that's going to mean looking back at where we've been, and, and it's also going to mean looking forward to where, th- by, by the grace of God, that we're, we're, we're aiming at, aiming to go in the year ahead. And it's something we try to do on a regular basis, um, on a yearly basis, I guess, for a few different reasons. Uh, one is that uh, we want to comply with the legalities of being a non-for-profit organization, and um, and, and so that requires that we have an annual meeting according to New York State uh, regulations, and we're trying to stay within those as much as possible. So for those of you who are um, official members uh, of this church, you get the opportunity to vote on, um, on, on a budget, on our, on our elder board, um, and that's, uh, that's what New York State wants and expects for nonprofits. But beyond that, um, there's something... I think very refreshing and healthy and important about stopping and assessing and, and celebrating at regular intervals. And you see it throughout scripture, like when the Israelites um, were on the other side of the Red Sea after they came out of captivity and slavery in Egypt, they, they stopped and they celebrated. They, uh, they sang a song of praise to the Lord. And then when they crossed over the Jordan River and made their way into the promised land, many, many years after, they carried these rocks out from the bottom of the river and they, they set up this monument to mark that moment and to celebrate how far the Lord had led them and where he had brought them to. And, uh, you know, I found in my own life that it's, it's very important to mark those moments because they're very easy to overlook. They're very easy to overlook because God is at work, but sometimes we, we, we miss the blessing that he's pouring out. And uh, back Many years ago, when we were first starting this church, um, 
I was at our national conference, and uh, our district superintendent, John Soper, pulled me aside, and he said, I want you to speak tomorrow night and give an update on how the work in Carmel is going. He gave me 24 hours to prepare. Um, you're supposed to, I know you're supposed to be you know, ready to give an answer at any given time, uh, but I was a little troubled because, uh, honestly, in my heart, I wasn't sure there was anything worth talking about going on. Like, things were moving at such a snail's pace that it didn't seem like there was anything uh, that was worth talking about. So the next morning, I woke up, I, I went to the hotel lobby, I sat down at a chair, I opened up my computer, I pulled up a blank Word document, and I just prayed, Lord, would you show me uh, where you're at work and, and what to share? And then I just started to, to list out any little thing that came to mind that was going on. And, and at first, it just seemed like, you know, really insignificant and, and almost meaningless, but... Uh, but I just kept on writing them down, and I started to see that, you know what, there was, there was more going on than I had actually given, given attention to, and some significant things were happening, but they hadn't even made it onto my radar screen. And so uh, I ended up filling up a whole page on that Word document, and, and then I kept on writing, I kept on going, and I filled up a second page, and then I, third, I filled up a third page even. And, and then, to make a long story short, I actually got in trouble because when it came my time to present, I, I exceeded the time allotment. And uh, Mr. Soper had some, some words with me, but, uh, but that was okay as I found out that it takes kind of some intentionality to remember, uh, to bring to our attentiveness the ways that God is at work. He is always at work, but it's easy to miss it. And so maybe... That's kind of what I want to do this morning, um, intentional gratitude. Uh, over many years of ministry, I have found that intentional gratitude is it's essential for enduring over the long haul. And, and that's the kind of attitude that uh, the Apostle Paul is demonstrating in this passage that we just read through. He's, he's ending this letter that he's written. Um, he's thanking the Philippian church, those who have partnered with him, um, as he's been doing time inside of a prison cell. Now, prison ministry, I'm sure, was not quite what Paul had in mind uh, when God called him into ministry, but that's where he found himself at. And guess what? That's where God met him and provided for him, and that's where the story emerges out of. And so he, he shares about what God's taught him, about the ways he's grown spiritually, how, how through just both the meager times and the seasons of much and everything in between that God had supplied him with everything he needed and shown every time that he was always enough. His story was that the Lord had been faithful without fail in every single situation and God met every need that he had. And there were times where he says, yeah, I've had a lot of times. There's been other times when I've had just barely enough, but the Lord has always provided for my needs. And here's the thing, when you have been through that, when you have built up this track record of trusting God through the thick and the thin, and you've tested it and you've proven it out and you've lived out that God is a good God who provides for his children, something happens. That, that kind of 
cultivates this kind of core conviction in life. It roots deep into the heart. And it's this conviction that God is good. God is faithful. God has been enough. He is enough. And he always will be enough. And like that is what Paul has at the deepest part of his heart as he's writing these words. He knows as well that what he's experienced is not just for him. It's not some kind of limited time offer, right, for superhero, spiritual uh, heroes only. This, this isn't just something that applies to some or, or just to him. It's for anyone, everyone who seeks first the kingdom of God that's there to discover. And so with this rock-solid confidence, he, he punctuates the end of this letter with this audacious promise. And I want you to hear it because it's meaningful here. It's this invitation for anyone who reads it for us to jump in on it and to find out for ourselves. Paul says, my God, the one who's provided for me through every season, every need, every chapter, he will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That, that is a major promise. Um, and the temptation is that we would be like, yeah, yeah, right, I get it, I get it, what's next? But that's not just, it's not something we can just nod our heads to and give like, you know, intellectual assent to. If it's true, if that is the case, then that does, it requires a reorientation of life, right? For us to posture our lives around that reality that God will meet every need. God is always faithful and he will forever be enough. And Truth be told, that's really what makes a God story a God story, right? So as we're reading through the Bible stories, the scripture stories, the Old Testament heroes and all that, it's a whole lot less about what people do for God, and it's a whole lot more about what God does for and through people. Um, and my thought is that that verse, it could really be the tagline of our church, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So we're going on 20 years of this thing. I don't know if you know that or not. We've been at this for a while. And through every season, God has supplied everything, every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So what I want to do is just take a very short walk down memory lane. And I realize for... For some, many of you, um, this may be some of the first times you're hearing some of these stories, so uh, that, that should be fun. So uh, way back in the day when uh, I was very young and naive, um, we had this, uh, this call to plant a church, um, something new for Putnam County that would be relationally focused, that would be sort of relevant to, to the people that we were trying to reach out to. And, and share the gospel with, something that would be welcoming to people who didn't have a lot of history in church, um, that would meet people where they were at, that would, that would be able to just like take the truths, the timeless truths of scripture, 
and uh, show how it intersects with real life and, and some, a church that would be a, a true community that would um, be involved in each other's lives and, 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 and involved in the community that we're a part of, present in that. And so, and so we said, yeah, let's, let's do this. Uh, now, we started this church in what is called, uh, when it comes to church planting, we did it in the worst way possible. I'm serious. So the best way... Um, when you look at, uh, you know, church, uh, how you're supposed to go about things, the ideal setup is what's called a mother-daughter church. So you have a sponsoring church, and they send you out, they support you, they give you resources, and like, go, and we want to be your mother church, and we want to just be about what's going on. We tried to do that. Uh, I had really good relationships with all the pastors in the area. Truth be told, none of them were at a healthy place. They, they all said, Brian, we bless you, but we can't help you. We are barely staying above water. So what we did is what's more called, it's called a parachute drop. And uh, that's kind of literally, if you think of the imagery, you know, of someone jumping out of an airplane and parachuting down and you land where you're at and you just start going at it. Um, nine out of 10 of those churches fail. <laughs> and uh, so we are a uh, statistical kind of... Uh, I don't know what the word is, but um, anyway, we had a lot of enthusiasm, we had a lot of excitement, uh, and we had a lot of help from our district. That uh, that was really just key. And and so we started out in our living room, um, just having a small group meeting in our living room, and from there we went to the VFW hall um, right here in town in Carmel, and uh, we get there on Sunday mornings, and the smell of alcohol would still be fresh on the floor from the night before. And uh, we had this, you know, our ideal when we started was we wanted to end up in Casey Hall at Carmel High School. And uh, we knew that, you know, churches using public schools, that's kind of like one of those challenging things. So we, pr- we, we spent probably six months praying before we submitted an application. We, we waited so long that some people were kind of getting restless, like, you know, can we just do it? But we finally submitted the application and we very quickly got rejected. Uh, they said, sorry, we're not letting churches beat in our high school. But miraculously, um, that got flipped around almost as quickly as we got denied. Uh, we got accepted. And it's just a testimony of God providing uh, for our needs. And, and so we opened up. We did this grand opening. We sent out like 5,000 postcards to the community. And People started coming, the church began, the community was building, good things were happening. Uh, back in the day, we had this, some of you probably remember it, not many of you, we had this big, old, ugly box truck, a uh, 14-foot box truck. It was parked in our driveway for many years, and every week we would drive that box truck, back it up to the, to the, um, to the school and we would roll in cabinets and we would transform the high school, make it into a church, back and forth every week. Our tagline is like, you know, welcome to church, can you carry this? You know, that was kind of what was that? If you were there, you were helping out, moving speakers, setting up coffee. We did everything we do here, but uh, it was just a lot of work. We were kind of getting tired and exhausted. And so one day, Eric comes to me, he says, Brian, he says, I think... I think you ought to ask the school if we can store our stuff here. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, we are, we are fortunate to be here, and now we want to ask them if we could store our stuff here. He says, Brian, you never know if you don't ask. 
I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I asked. And they said, sure. <laughs> and so just like that, um, we were able to get rid of that ugly old box truck and things got a lot easier. As another testimony, God supplied our needs in ways that were just amazing. Uh, one time, uh, we got one week's notice, one week's notice. We got a phone call from the school, and they said, we are shutting down the high school for the summer. We've got major renovations to do, so this Sunday will be your last Sunday. You can't come back till the fall. All right, great. Now what do we do? So we kind of like gathered everyone in our living room. We, we prayed. We, uh, we did a little bit of brainstorming. We made some phone calls, and we ended up meeting in the Carmel Cinema for the summer. Some of you might remember that if you were awake through those services, because it was dark in there. Um, that was, man, we survived that, that season. Uh, it was not ideal, but it was another testimony of God supplying all of our needs, everything we needed. And then, uh, truth be told, we had several long seasons of church, probably for the first 10 years, maybe even more than that, where we were probably about two weeks away from closing down at any given time. We had the resources, we had the, uh, the, the finances and the funding for about two weeks, um, but if things didn't go well, then we weren't going to be able to continue on, and, and yet somehow we just kept on going, and uh, God kept on providing um, at that time, we were raising four young kids at that time. Um, you know, throughout these different seasons, Diane has worked. Sometimes she hasn't worked. And there was this one season where we are just like, this is just too much. Uh, Diane needs to stay home. And, uh, and she didn't work. And we're like, okay, how's that going to work out? And, and God just continued to provide. And we just kept on going. People kept on coming. And... Uh, you know, oftentimes what we heard people say is, we are so glad we found your church. We had no idea you were here. And I, I hated that. Like, that was like so bad. Like, oh, we only get to put a sign up for like three hours a week on a Sunday. And uh, people just never knew that we were around. And so we knew that uh, at some point we were going to need a full-time facility. We had no idea how that was ever going to work out. Um, so we just kept on doing what we knew we were called to do. Um, instead of building up uh, a building, we were building up the, the body of Christ and uh, good things were going on. And, and out of the blue, uh, God moved the heart of a local businessman. Uh, Carl Dill is his name, and he donated this building, uh, eight acres of property to our church. Now, it's an exciting thing, but just, just so you know, it didn't look this way. <laughs> when he donated that building, it was a major mess. And um, it took, you know, we, we were not able to move in for probably eight years. Um, but God was supplying our needs. And then after that, the crazy, another crazy thing happened. We got a second church building given to us, uh, a church up the road. Um, the, the church, they were going to shut down. The pastor met with me and he said, Brian, our church is not for sale. The only thing we want to do is make sure it goes to another church that's preaching the gospel. So do you want it? And like in my head, I'm thinking, no, <laughs> one building is enough. And how are we ever going to maintain two buildings? Um, our elders, they, we got together, we like really wrestled with that one. We prayed about it. We fasted over that decision and then we finally came out just saying, receive this gift that's being offered to you. 
Thank God we did because COVID hit, the school shut down, and we had a place to, uh, to gather and to meet. And so God's providence was just, uh, just an amazing um, series of events along the way. Um, it took a while, like I said, to build this place out. Uh, we put a plan together. Uh, we started building this and then COVID hit. And I will tell you, doing construction in the middle of a pandemic is not a good thing. Uh, it's a high stress time. Uh, it was just like this, this roller coaster of ups and downs, but through it all, you know, God just kept on providing. He kept on providing. We finally were able to open up here. And uh, I will tell you that if you value stability and predictability, uh, ministry is not for you. You're right. You probably picked that up already. Um, you don't typically get that. You definitely don't get that in church planting. Uh, but what you do get is security. So there's a difference between stability and security. Security is knowing that God is going to provide, that he supplies every need according to his riches and glory. And that's our story. And so when we uh, started, actually, if we look back a year ago, at the start of 2022, it was like, I didn't know where things were going. I, had, I, I was just like, I'm grateful that we're here, but COVID keeps on coming around. Uh, we've had lots of new people come in, but then the people who have been with our church for a long time, they're still home watching church on TV. And so we've got like these two congregations and we've got all kinds of you know, controversies going on, um, whether it's political or social and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, it was just exhausting. Um, and then here we are, like at the start of 2023, I got to tell you, this past year, 2022, it was an amazing year. Like, it was fantastic. Like we have seen some good, good things going on that I, I never would have expected at the beginning of, of last year uh, in so many ways. And I, I, I might say that we're at one of the best places we've ever been uh, as a church body. And so uh, that's a little bit of the story of how God has led of how God has provided. And so as we look forward, as we look at what's next, at the year ahead, I want to say both corporately and individually, uh, let's keep on relying. Let's keep on relying on God to supply our needs as we set our lives around accomplishing his agenda and his purposes. I, I, I'd love to make this an Ephesians 4.19 year. We can just say, Lord, you provided all that we have to need. Um, you know, in this passage, as Paul is telling his story, it's not a mistake. It's not by accidents or just a coincidence that Paul puts God's providence in the context of the people and in the context of giving and receiving. And so he's, he's saying thank you to the Philippians here for their commitment for their willingness to partner with him, to, to provide the resources, to be a part of God's supply. Because they were the means through which God was supplying Paul's needs. They were a part of that. And there was actually a time, he says, where you guys were the only ones. No other church was partnering. You guys were the only ones coming alongside and providing for me. Thank you. And there's this fascinating line in there. Uh, where he says this, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. 
That's like, it's an amazing way of just seeing where Paul is at. So here's where Paul's at. He's like, I have zero doubt that ultimately one way or another, God is gonna find a way to meet my needs. That's not the question. But there's this opportunity that you're, his Philippian friends have that they seize, that they grab hold of to be a part of it, to participate in it, to be a part of God's providence. And, 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 and he was excited that they got in on that opportunity. He's stoked about that, actually, that they jumped in and that they're on this adventure of being part of God's providence and, and being on both the giving end and the receiving end. You see, there's this, there's this supply chain, this divine supply chain that God provides for the needs of his people through his people, right? He provides for his people and then his people pass it on to see his agenda accomplish. That's how it worked then and and God's divine supply line, it works the same way today. So in case you haven't noticed, typically God doesn't drop resources from heaven, right? He's done the manna thing. Um, That hasn't happened in quite a while. Um, He does move in miraculous ways, but the typical way is to channel it through the lives of his people. And there's something significant to that. That's the opportunity that he's so excited about for his friends. And so um, to put it in context, here's here's a line I've heard uh, quite a few times throughout the course of ministry. People say, you know, Pastor Brian, If I win the lottery, right, I'm going to pay off the church mortgage. Great. I'm not holding my breath, but I hope you do. But then there's the follow-up question. What about right now? What about right now? You see, I'm, I'm more pumped over simple, faithful obedience in the area of stewardship and giving than someone like hitting the lottery and then cashing in and we get like, you know, we get the benefit then. I I get more excited about the the high school kid working part-time in the grocery store, right? And and they make make $50 a week and they they tithe that $5 and they give that to God. That, That matters. That's significant. That's, that's part of God's supply chain. That, and, and Jesus said, he said, um, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. And sometimes we kind of just, we think of giving in terms of, you know, someday maybe, right? When, when everything's all together and oftentimes stewardship is a matter of what am I doing right now? Uh, I will tell you this, uh, you, you know this if you've been coming here for any time, we are not the hard sell giving church. Maybe that's why you've come here. <laughs> um, but uh, we don't do guilt trips. And I have said, and I will continue to affirm that if it ever gets to that place, I'd just rather just close this place down um, than to go that route. Um, but having said that, there is an adventure of faith Uh, that I've experienced personally as I've opened up and prioritized and directed my time, my treasure, my talents to God's kingdom purposes and put him first. And, uh, you know, Paul wanted his friends to get in on that, to experience it. And and I want that for all of us as well. 
So, so here's the thing. We, we have needs, right? You have needs individually. We have needs corporately. We have ministry needs. We have people needs. Uh, we have financial needs. And, and, and God is going to meet those needs. The question is not if. The question is how and through whom. And so, like, here's, here's one of the latest uh, testimonies that can confirm that. You know, we had this special Christmas offering that uh, we, uh, we, we, were, we said, we, we announced and put together, we're going to use it to put a new well line in because our water flow is pretty weak. We knew that going in. Um, and also to uh, fund our benevolence account and, um, and to provide housing for an international worker that we partner with. And we set the goal at $20,000. Um, we raised $12,000, which was, man, that's awesome. I was so glad, so happy for that. And this past week, we got an email that someone who had given a donation did it through a matching grant with an organization who actually, I've never heard of this before, but they triple matched it. And so we were at 12000 and now it looks like we're going to end up at 21000 <laughs> through... Uh, you know, I don't know how this stuff happens, but God is good, and, you know, he is going to provide. And uh, we get the adventure of participating, of being the means through which he provides. And so I want to challenge you, uh, first of all, to understand how God gives and to model your giving after that. It says he gives according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God gave nothing less than his very best when he sent his son. He gave Jesus his one and only son. And so I, I would love to challenge you, um, if you haven't already, to take your giving from, from tipping, if that's where you're at, and consider tithing. Um, from giving leftovers to giving first fruits, to give the best instead of just what's left. And, and I know full well that by addressing finances, I am hitting on one of the primary idols of our day and age. Uh, some of us are scared to death to not bow down to our bank accounts and how big they are. And the reality is the default mode in our world is not to trust in God to supply our needs, it's to trust in our portfolio, our bank account, our checkbook to provide by, based on how much is in there. And that might be one of the reasons why Jesus is so adamantly always talking about money issues. He brings it up with the disciples again and again. More than heaven and hell combined, he talks about money and how it can become a false god. Because we tend to rely on money the way God wants us to rely on him. And when that happens, we miss out on this adventure of faith, this, this pipeline of providence that God is in the process of, of, of using, uh, providing to his people and through his people. And so um, th through the years, we've, we've talked about issues like this, and I have no hesitation preaching about topics like this. And I always say that I have no idea who gives what. Uh, some pastors, I know they... They like to know. I talk to pastors who do that, and I don't, I don't like what it does to them, and I don't want that for myself. Um, 
But I can do enough math and averaging out to know that, uh, you know, if this church gave um, that 10%, that tithe, we would be at a completely different place right now. We would be at a whole different level. And so here's, here's the reality. Sometimes we ask God, God, would you bless us? But he already has. He has blessed us. He is blessing us. And, 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 and the this, this step sometimes is for, for us to take the resources that he's put into our hands and to, to do what he asks us to do with them, to funnel them towards his purposes. So Paul had his story. Um, our church, we've got our story. And, and I could tell you stories about the faithfulness of God in this area. I, I'm one of those guys that I started working at about age 12. You know, as soon as I could get a shovel in my hand, I'm strong enough to shovel snow off a driveway. I was shoveling driveways. I was mowing lawns. And then I started a paper route and I hired my sister to shovel the, the, the snow. So um, through it all, I am thankful for, uh, I'm thankful for my parents. Maybe they're watching from Florida right now, but my mom was pretty adamant. You know, I would come home, I'd have $20 in my hand, and she says, okay, take $2 of that, that goes to church, take half of what's left that's going into the bank account for college, and you've got about $6 left, go do with that what you want. And uh, that's just kind of been the pattern, the rhythm that I've had set up and instilled in me from a, from a very young age. And I can tell you now, uh, at age 53, um, man, I've gone, we've gone through seasons when there's been much, We've gone through seasons where there's just barely enough and we are living like, okay, Lord, have you provided enough for today? Yes, you have. I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow. You know, we'll just deal with that when it gets there. But through it all, um, God has provided. He's provided in, 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 in incredible ways sometimes. And uh, when we were starting out and we had just felt this call to ministry and Diane and I were married about three months and... Uh, you know, it was kind of like any parent's nightmare. Your kids get married, and then two months later, they decide to blow up the whole plan. You know, I quit my job. We went to, I went to seminary full-time. Uh, we had no idea how it was going to work out, and God provided in amazing ways. Diane was working as like an administrative assistant, and she got this promotion that almost compensated for my, uh, my salary that I was giving up at my job. Um, I applied for one job um, at, a, at Rockland Community College at the time, and, and they hired me, and uh, I worked there after, after school, and, and my first day on the job, they said, well, the person who hired you is, she's resigned, so we have nothing for you to do, so why don't you just do your homework? And so I, for that whole semester, I just, I got paid for doing my seminary work. It was pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, and uh, all these different stories that just go on and on. God is good. He is faithful. He is provider. He will supply every need. And so what I'd love to do is for us to get to the end of this year. We have so many stories to tell about the goodness of God, about how we relied on him. We didn't just talk the talk, but we aligned our lives around this reality that God is good that he will supply every need of ours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
I can't wait to hear those stories. I hope we're able to tell them and to see them take place. Let's pray together.